Hey, this is Henry Phillips, and you're listening to P.F.'s Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Tom Rhodes on becoming a beloved television personality in the Netherlands. That was cool. I got to experience all these things of Dutch culture as a foreigner. And at the time, uh, it was not a good time to be an American in Europe. A lot of the best reviews that were written said that I was a great example of an American at a time when the world desperately needed it. We'll hear more from Tom in just a bit. Fake news, of course, is still taking the summer off, trying to figure out a way I can squeeze that in. It's actually very time-consuming, because actually it's, it's easy to record, but I've got to find the news, uh, write the jokes... It, it's it's very difficult. It's very time-consuming, but hopefully we'll get fake news back in the lineup here soon. In the meantime, we have the hottest record in the world coming up at the end of the show. Gonna have to find a different name for that because I feel badly now ripping off the BBC. Uh, it kind of started off as a joke, but now it's become like a, a thing that's become very popular on the show. Anyway, we have some uh, power pop from a trio from New York City. Imagine that. And um, so I'm going to enjoy that. And uh, in the meantime, we have a dumb bit, and then we'll get on to our interview with Tom Rhodes. And uh, well, here's the dumb bit. A lot of folks, uh, me amongst them, will say that uh, you know, news coverage in other countries, other English-speaking countries, uh, Britain, Canada, it's so much better than ours, and especially with U.S. news because you get a different perspective. And, and I, I generally agree with that, but don't be fooled. Uh, our cousins um, over the border and, and across the sea are just as susceptible to the same kind of nonsense that uh, our media here are susceptible to. Uh, I will give you an example a sweet lullaby moment turned into a nightmare for a pair of London-area parents as they were rocking their child to sleep. Creepy music suddenly played from their baby's monitor camera. That is from CTV, CTV's Kitchener affiliate, actually. CTV is the other network in Canada. You have CBC, you have CTV. I don't even know if Global is in existence anymore, but it's the other main network up in Canada. But that is from one of their local stations there in uh, Kitchener. They also cover London. And when I was a kid, I used to watch a lot of uh, TV from the CBC affiliate in London right across the lake. Well, anyway, so it's a smaller town and, you know, they're, they're all upset about this. This is a common story. Now we had this thing uh, same deal in Cincinnati. Uh, last year, a similar situation happened where someone, you know, hacked into a, uh, a camera. But what was really funny about this, and it is funny because nobody got hurt, is that uh, if you go to the CTV Facebook page, uh, you'll see the story. And uh, this is the right at the top of the Facebook post. Every parent's worst nightmare. Now, if you're a parent or if you know parents or even if you're not a parent, you could probably imagine that this is Way, 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 way down the list of parents' worst nightmare. Uh, worst nightmare things would include uh, your child getting a terminal illness, your child vanishing, God forbid, a, a kidnapping, anything like that. A lot, a lot of worse things could happen than someone hacking into your baby monitor, which you can just unplug. But like I said, we had this in Cincinnati last year, and my wife found this story hilarious because the way the lady described it, well, she described what happened like this. He was screaming... Um, wake up, baby, wake up, baby, and then just a long, ah, screaming at her. To this day, my wife finds that hilarious because it just sounds like, a, you know, a practical joke. And, you know, it, and in a way it is, and I'm not really computer savvy. 
I mean, I am, and I'm not. I mean, I, I do the podcast. I probably, you know, slightly above average computer savvy. I would know if that happened to me. Oh, someone must have hacked onto the network, unplug it, whatever. So they go through this whole rigmarole on our local station. It's a big four-minute story when all you need to say is to just change the password on your Wi-Fi network, make it different. And, well, the the main anchor comes up with, with this nugget. And make your passwords tougher. I read that a lot of people, their password is password, or it's oh, one, two, three, four. four. Yes. Yeah, no, it's not. Uh, and I, I've read the same thing from some reputable tech sources that people's passwords are password or one, two, three, four. And I question where they're getting that data or what study is revealing that to be the case. Because my mom lives uh, up in suburban Cleveland and I go up and visit her. And it's like Gilligan's Island. No phone, no lights, no movie stars. I mean, she has cable, but she has no computer network of any kind, no computer, no tablet, no nothing. And so I tried to show her something. I think it was a, either a, a video that uh, the girls had posted on YouTube or something. Anyway, I tried to get internet because I didn't have uh, data to use, and uh, I had my laptop, and I looked around, and there were like six networks around me of neighbors. So one of these people, I figured, because I've been told their password is one, two, three, four password, every single one could not get on. And everywhere I go and try to get on somebody's Wi-Fi network when it's open, or it's, I mean, when it's locked and you have to put a password, try doing password one, two, three, four. I have yet to crack it. Now, my wife actually cracked it at the, uh, she was at the, at the hairdressers, as they say in Britain. And she was, uh, she guessed their password. It was like, she was, it was, it was haircut something, haircut in like the last four digits of their phone number, something like, but she was able to guess it. So good on her, but uh, it was not password. It was not one, two, three, four. So anyway, yes, there is a danger uh, to this, but you know, it's just like, I guess they could come through your printer. There was, you know, I'm, I'm guessing if they come through your baby monitor, hackers could come through your printer. And of course it's just, you know, use all the common sense security measures and there's no need for a four minute story. Uh, on you know a baby monitor getting hacked, which has now turned into a four-minute bit on baby monitors getting hacked. But uh, it was just just pretty funny, and we still get a laugh out of it to this day. Wake up, baby! Wake up, baby! Wake up! It's a beautiful morning. Feel the sun shining for your eyes. Wake up! It's a beautiful. Wake up, This episode of PF Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. Tom Rhodes is a stand-up comedian originally from Washington, D.C. You may know him from his sitcom, uh, kind of a cult favorite now, Mr. Rhodes. You may also have seen him headlining comedy clubs and or theaters around the country, or maybe you saw him on Dutch TV. But here now is our interview with Tom Rhodes. Let's start by asking, so what's, what's new with you? Oh, wow. Stopped drinking a year and a half ago. Oh, wow. I stopped smoking cigarettes three months ago. Um, just got back from a month in Asia. Um, I need a haircut. Huh. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, all kinds of things are going on. So what, what's inspired this uh, healthier lifestyle? Uh, I got drunk and blacked out and fell off of a bar stool in Philadelphia and I got six stitches in my forehead and, um, just, um, you know, decided that I was not put on this earth to be a drunk 
Mm-hmm. And um, didn't go to any AA meetings or anything like that. I just quit. Yeah. And uh, and then the cigarettes, uh, more tricky. Um, that was the difficult one. I mean, the, the not drinking, it's, you know, I never had a, oh, man, I need a drink. I just need a, a drink. I've never had any moments like that. Um, once I made the decision, it was pretty final. But um, I've tried to quit the cigarettes uh, many times, and um, my sister died of breast cancer. Oh. And 2011, I went to the chemotherapy with her um, five times. So um, I'm 48, and it's just simple mathematics. Uh, you can't smoke two packs a day for 31 years and um, not have repercussions. So, um, but yeah, for some reason, I'm doing okay this time. That's cool. They, they say that's the toughest one to kick is the uh, cigarettes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I've been using these little nicotine lozenges. That's helped out. Ah, yeah, I guess uh, Don Imus and Mark Marin both famously still chew the nicotine gum uh, long after they were supposed to have stopped using it. So, Yeah, something about it. The dirty, addictive little substance, that nicotine, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel the same way about these nicotine lozenges now as I used to about um, sour... Apple, um, Jolly Ranchers. Oh, <laughs> but you're feeling better and your, uh, things are working out better for you. Uh, yeah, things are, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not hung over half the day and, um, uh, yeah, I'm totally, uh, clarity is a drug unto itself. So, uh, you're, you're touring a lot now or do you have other projects going? Uh, what's, what's happening on the, on the work front? Uh, projects. I've been working on a book for about three years. I'm about 90% done. Uh, it's about my life being a comedian, traveling the world, all these different stories that have happened to me. Um, you know, my sitcom, I had a late night talk show on Dutch television Yep. Uh, in Amsterdam. I was maced in Paris. I almost drowned in Thailand. Oh. Um, I got into a fist fight in um, Ireland. Um, yeah, a lot of lot of entertaining oh my gosh. <laughs> things. Uh, that I've got my podcast, Tom Rhodes Radio, um, and uh, yeah, I've done some really cool. You know, I talk to people all in my travels all over the world. I had Steve Wozniak on a couple months ago. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I did Kim dot com, the internet fugitive who's on the FBI most wanted list. Oh. He started megaupload.com. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, when I did the New Zealand Comedy Festival about two years ago, I got to talk with him. Oh, wow. So that's been cool. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, knew... I got uh, I got a lot of stuff. I did At Midnight three times the last year. I did Comedy Bang Bang. Um, you know, it's uh, a pretty general question that I'm going to keep talking until <laughs> you stop me. Okay. Well, I knew about the... the, the... <laughs> I knew what about, do you got going on? I knew well, about the Dutch. I knew about the Dutch talk. I uh, should probably clip my toenails soon. <laughs> um, I'm in Lake Tahoe. <laughs> I, I knew. Uh, I knew we. Um, actually, my my brother lives actually out that way. He lives um south of uh, of Carson City, and uh, I guess. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, I guess Ben Cartwright had some work over him at the Ponderosa, and um, he didn't think that joke was funny either. But um, 
Yeah, so he's. Well, look, I didn't hear. It. I didn't I, hear. It. I said, he, my uh, brother lives like near Carson City, and I said I think Ben Cartwright had some work for him out to the Ponderosa. Uh, uh, any Bonanza reference? There you go. Uh, in, in Northwest Nevada. Yeah, um, I knew you about the talk show. You might call you Little Joe. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I knew about the talk show. I didn't know about you getting maced in Paris. How did you get maced in Paris? Uh, for the reason I pronounced Champs Elysees. <laughs> no. Now I'm half French, so tread lightly. Um, and they, they took a Champs Elysees. They, they took um, no, I just uh, I was. It's a long story. I uh, um, I was just uh, mugged, but oh. and, and they don't have guns there, so it's a common oh. thing where they'll mace you and huh. beat you up and get you on the ground. But I I got away. Oh wow, that's crazy. So um, you travel a lot still, uh, or have you been mostly in the United States the the past couple of years? Uh, no, I've had everything in storage for nine and a half years now. Okay. And uh, last year I spent five months in Europe, a month in Asia, and then six months relentlessly playing all over North America. So every week's a different city, and uh, my wife travels with me. She's a photographer. I'm mm-hmm. looking for jokes. She's looking for photos. And... Um, the last four years, um, every year we've gone to Rome. Oh, nice! And rent, rented an apartment for a couple weeks. Um, Sleepinitaly.com, if you're interested. Okay. Uh, I normally like to stay around the Vatican. I find that a very cool area. Uh, two years ago, I finished a month in Asia and did um, went to Bali for a couple weeks. So uh, the fact that I don't live anywhere means we can live everywhere. So when we have time off. Um, we go somewhere cool that we want to be. So when I was drinking, we went to New Orleans a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, rented an apartment, but oh, I haven't cool. been there since I stopped drinking. My, uh, my daughter loves New Orleans. She went down there for a band trip, and then we went down to visit my brother-in-law in Texas, and we, she, my daughter insisted that we come, when we come back to Cincinnati that we go through Louisiana and go to New Orleans, and we did, and uh, we really liked it too, but she loved it. She wants to move there. Um, Oh, that's great. I considered moving there myself. Oh, yeah. I know Harry Shearer lives down there. Great music. Yeah. Uh, I like the um, apparent attempt at racial harmony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, we were only there for a couple hours, but um, what we did see, we uh, we really enjoyed. My wife's going down there on business in a couple of weeks, too, and now she's looking forward to it because she's been there once. Now she won't be as uh, you know scared about going. Because you ever go to a new city, you never know. But now that she's been there and she's going to be staying right where we were, uh, her comfort level will be uh, a lot higher. Um, so let me ask you: traveling all over the place, you know, do you ever have a notion to settle down? Or are you guys just so used to this lifestyle now that you really couldn't imagine doing anything else? I'm sorry. Can you ask that again? Yeah. If uh, traveling around so much, are you guys just so used to doing that that you don't have any notion to settle down because you don't really know any other life now after so long? Or do you someday see you guys settling down somewhere? Uh, actually, we're about to change everything. Uh, I'm gonna. <clears throat> my plan was to move to back to San Francisco. It's my favorite city in America, yeah. but the rents there have gone crazy. So, um, you know, like a studio apartment is like three thousand dollars a month, and uh, I'm too old to have roommates. Yeah. So, uh, we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get a place in Los Angeles, um, probably Venice Beach. Nice. Um, I like being around artistic, uh, weirdo people. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, um, 
my wife's from Holland. I'm a big fan of Amsterdam. Okay. Uh, even after, since I've gone totally clean, it's um, very artistic. And, um, uh, but yeah, we're about to, to change everything. So okay. instead of being on the road continuously, I'll just go on the road like a normal person for one or two weeks out uh. of the month. So, uh, for the benefit of the podcast listeners who might not know, you uh, started in comedy at a young age, and your your uncle was a stand-up comedian, correct? Uh, he only did open mic nights. Oh, okay. But still, that was enough. So, my dad took me to see him do an open mic night when I was 12. Oh, okay. But that was still enough to inspire and, you. And uh, it was in Washington, D.C. My family's originally from Washington, D.C., and I was wearing a Washington Redskins coat. And the entrance was right next to the stage, and the comedian on stage pulled me on stage, and he interviewed me like I was the coach of the Redskins. Mm-hmm. So um, that moment changed my life. So you were uh, being on stage, seeing all those happy people with all the teeth in their mouth and their heads yeah. thrown back in laughter, and uh, it was at that moment that I knew what I would do with the rest of my life. Wow, cool! And so you kind of had some uh, on-the-spot improv skills come out too. I mean, how, how did you do in that in that on-the-spot situation? I just gave bashful, dopey twelve-year-old kid one more dancers like oh, okay. yes and no. <laughs> okay, but still, he's good enough to uh, to inspire you. Yeah, yeah, and you know, um, hail to the Redskins. Yeah, <laughs> you still a Redskin fan? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay, so don't, they should never change their name. You think so? Never. Okay. Um, yeah, a lot of debate about that. I I read different things all the time about it, and uh, it's you know, it's funny because like the uh, when I was in college, I went to Bowling Green. One of our rivals was Eastern Michigan, and they were the they were the Hurons, or now the Eagles. And I remember reading in the paper that the uh, Huron tribe said, "Well, you know, we don't mind because if it weren't for that, people wouldn't know we were here." Hmm. Yeah, and I wouldn't have known the Hurons were native to Michigan had that not been for the for the college team. So. But um, uh, so you've actually had a, a pretty crazy career, as you alluded to earlier, having uh, you know had the talk show in Holland, which um, I, probably a lot of people know about, and then of course your your sitcom on NBC. But like, what was your favorite gig uh, of all the crazy things you've done? In VH1 touring stand up. Uh, did you have a particular one that, that really appealed to you? Favorite? Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed doing that late night talk show in Amsterdam. Um. That was cool. I got to experience all these things of Dutch culture as a foreigner. And at the time, uh, it was not a good time to be an American in Europe. And a lot of the best reviews that were written said that I was a great example of an American at a time when the world desperately needed it. Um, I got to make these five-minute films every episode where I would experience something of Dutch culture. One day I spent... Uh, a day on a Dutch farm with a Dutch farmer helping him out. <clears throat> um, I was given a tour of the gay nightlife scene of Amsterdam. Um, uh, I got to cover the prime minister debates. I got to do all these really great things. Wow. Uh, that was pretty special. But I, I, there's nothing better than filming comedy specials. I think that, I mean, that's what I dreamed of since I was 12 and just you know, grew up obsessed watching comedy and especially HBO comedy hours. And then now it's like the Netflix hours. And, um, you know, I've done two comedy central half hours 
in a Netflix hour special. Uh, I, I think those are my favorite because I mean it takes so many years to develop the material. Oh yeah, and get it right and get it strong, and then you know um, have someone um, you know rent out a big fancy theater and film it. So uh, I think those are the definitely my my favorite, and that's why I mean I I never at any point in television um, workings uh, did I ever take a break from stand-up. So. Yeah, I remember reading that you, um, or maybe you told this to me or both, that uh, you, the sitcom you, it kind of started to wear on you because it took so much time away from you being uh, on stage. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that sitcom only uh, was like six months of my life. Yeah. But uh, still, kind of a cult classic because people, people. Yeah, and like when it finished, people were there was a lot of um, <clears throat> every radio person in America in the late '90s wanted to be Howard Howard Stern. Yeah. So everybody was, um, you know, uh, just trying to be shocking and uh, cantankerous. And um, when I would travel around the states after the sitcom, everybody, oh, you're back to stand up now huh. like and it was uh, no I never took a break I just had this television thing so um, that was a little irritating but you know there's certain things you have to put up with in the business um, and you know there's no heavy lifting so yeah well that's true yeah my my uncle used to deliver packages for Federal Express and he told me you know just remember whenever I turn up to an office to deliver a package. Nobody applauds. <laughs> That's true. Um, maybe they should, though. Um, you, you know, you're beloved the world over, you know, not only in North America, but in, in Europe as well. And when you were doing the talk show, you said it wasn't a great time to be an American, but they were taken with you, and, you know, you got the gig. So, uh, you know, did, did you find that uh, it was a better experience than you thought it was going to be? A better what? A better experience than you, than you thought it was going to be? I mean, you... you, you I, you know, it was a, yeah, it was a miracle. Um, the fact that I, you know, I had moved to Amsterdam for a Dutch girl that I had fallen in love with, and then the relationship ended. And I was just about to move back to the United States when these people from this Dutch television network saw me performing at a comedy club in Amsterdam, and they were looking for an American those late night talk show, and I got the job. So. It's something I never could have dreamed possible, and it happened. And um, and I got to stay in this little country that I had fallen in love with. I, I absolutely love the Netherlands, and um, uh, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it was in, it was incredible. It was really incredible. The entire experience. I, I loved the way the Dutch make television, the way the Dutch work. I like the you know they're very stoic people and they're not easy to get to know but the fact that I was on television was like having this magic passport to the country and oh, I would yeah. go around the country and people would talk to me and they're not like that with normal visitors or even other Dutch people they're just um, they're not as outgoing as American people are in general and um, yeah it was, it was just this absolutely magical experience I never could have dreamt possible and um, probably one of the happiest periods of my life. 
So being immersed in that culture, did that give you a, a more of a passion for traveling? So I know you do a lot, of, you know, you do the travel DVDs and stuff like that. Is or did you always have that in you that you wanted to travel, and that's well, also why you went. Well, but apart from the girl, uh, why you also wanted to go to uh, Amsterdam? Yeah, I, I always wanted to travel, um, and then uh, I mean, that's a great thing about being a comedian is even if you don't get anywhere, at least you're going places. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, I thought we got cut off again. Um, yeah, you know, I started out in Florida, uh, and then I started out on the Southern Circuits. <clears throat> and then, um, you know, my first dream was I just wanted to headline all the cities in America and see all of America. And then I got to that level. And then I, you know, played every city in America like 16, 20 times. And, um,. You know, and then the sitcom happened, and then it only lasted for one year, but I looked at that money that I had made from the sitcom as my NBC artist grant. Huh. And uh, I moved to New York City, and then I started uh, systematically taking trips to London oh. and um, and getting in, playing clubs around London, and then getting in with their best clubs. And London was the key to everything for me, oh. getting in with London led to gigs around Europe and all over the world, Asia, Australia, New Zealand, everywhere. So, um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I always dreamed of traveling. I've always been obsessed with travel magazines and, um, you know, uh, I've, I've checked off most every thing I wanted to see. Never been to Africa though. Oh, really? Well, you have a lot of stickers on your suitcase otherwise, but, um, so do you, is that like on, on your list of things to get to is to, uh, get to Africa, maybe do some gigs there? Yeah, there's a great comedy festival in Cape Town that I would like to do. Oh, yeah, and, um, I dated a woman from Morocco once, and I also dated a woman from Kenya oh. once. Uh, I would, I would like to go to Kenya and Morocco. I think they're both fascinating places. Yeah. Now, Casablanca is in Morocco, isn't it? Uh, yeah, not supposed to be the, uh, the the really grimy, nasty city. Um, uh. Fez is supposed to be more charming. Oh, okay, because well, that movie came on the other night on PBS. I actually have I have, I have some good friends from Casablanca, okay. so okay. hopefully they don't ever hear this. <laughs> Well, we have a few listeners around the world, but uh, not that many. Mostly North America, so you're probably safe. So yeah, I mean, th th this crazy career of yours, I guess, also going to make uh, a good book. Was it tough, like, because there's just so many parts to your career you know, that are unique, you know, that most comedians don't have. Was it hard to kind of wrangle them together, or did it kind of flow pretty naturally when it came to putting it in book form? Uh, you know, I just uh, it's it's not finished yet. I've just uh, I've been pouring it all out. And um, we'll see what happens when it's time to edit it. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Well, terrific, man. It was uh, good talking to you again. Um, I know the last time I actually uh, heard you was on my friend Jackie Cation's podcast you know, on the Dork Force. Oh, I love Jackie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We talked about my obsession with going to graves. That's right. The world. Yeah. And still doing that? Huh? Still doing that? Uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't uh, done it in a little while. But, um, but yeah, no, I still like going to, actually, no, that's not true. I went to Hollywood Forever Cemetery uh, a couple months ago when I was in Los Angeles, and they got Cecil B. DeMille and Johnny Ramone, and um, who was the other big one there that I wanted to see? Hmm. I forget. Anyway, do you, do you uh, like yeah, I, I still do it. 
do you go looking for like specific people or if there's like around here we all have the, these little weird cemeteries there's one up at the end of the road here from us there's only like four graves in it and there's a pioneer cemetery across from our old airport which is also in the same township i live in which probably goes back to the early 1800s or do you look for you know know that someone is buried in this town and you and you go see that grave or both uh, no, I, no I, I don't go to random cemeteries. I just like to go to find specific people. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever done it in Cincinnati. I'll have to go to findagrave.com, yes. and you can search people's names, or you can search areas. So I'll, I'll search Cincinnati and see who's there. It's not a bad idea. The big cemetery Thanks here. Thanks for the, the reminder. Yeah, the, well, the big cemetery here is the Spring Grove Cemetery. I know there's a couple of famous folks buried there and um, I can't remember who the one they, there was an article in the paper about it a, a couple of years ago and there were some people that you wouldn't expect to be buried here are buried here so yeah if you go to probably go to find a grave or even go to the Spring Grove website it may it might it might tell you that so but um, cool. great. you got something to do here in Cincinnati apart from uh, making folks laugh no and yeah I'm gonna go to a Reds game too That's, oh yeah um, it's gonna be lovely Yes. Do you do that a lot in towns? I know, like uh, Ian Bag, I know, go, tries to go to a, a game in every town he he's, he's been to. Uh, what that, does he do? He goes to. He likes to go to hockey games and baseball games, depending on the season. And that's one thing he does oh, in every cool. city he he plays in. Yeah. So he's probably been to every ballpark and arena uh, in North America by, at this point. But do you do that cool. a lot? Yeah. I mean, uh, actually, Cincinnati has got a phenomenal uh, art museum. Yes. I went there the last time. They had a. Um, a big exhibition on um, uh, what was it? Uh, the um, Pompeii. Oh yeah, the yeah. Volcano. That yeah. was great. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, and just the the structure of that building alone uh, is worth seeing. I mean, it's like I guess it was made in the 30s when people were oh. doing like the Chrysler Building. You mean our history like museum? But, yeah, our history museum is um, it's uh, yes, yeah, the old train station, and uh, the Hall of Justice yeah. and the cartoons is modeled after it. And yeah, it's a art Art Deco built in the 30s. It was the train station, and now it's our history and natural uh, history museum and natural history museum. Oh, and it's a gorgeous, gorgeous building. Yeah, we just saw uh, a That's mummy. Really cool. And there. like I said about Travel Magazine, Cincinnati's getting a lot of love right now. Oh yeah, Cincinnati is very uh, uh, finally getting a lot of um, a lot of the the cool, unique things about Cincinnati are are finally being written about and appreciated in Travel Magazine. So. Um, uh, it's it's hardening because I've always I've always loved Cincinnati, and um, you know I'm a big James Brown fan. All of his earliest best oh, recordings right. all happened in Cincinnati, and uh, yeah. this is a lot of great history there. You know, and let so, me ask you, as a traveler because I'm from Cleveland originally, but we've lived here for thirty over thirty years now. Uh, what do you make of Cincinnati chili? Uh, I think I used to love it. I used to really, really go crazy for the chili dogs when I came to Cincinnati. But um, I'm being a little healthier in my life. You know? <laughs> there you go. So um, uh, I, I think um, quinoa and couscous is uh-huh. uh, more what I will be looking for uh, instead of chili that, this yeah. time. Well, but there, but Cincinnati has that available now. It so. Yes, yes, they do. Yeah, a lot of a lot of hip places to, to eat around town, even around, <laughs> the, even around the comedy club too. I think you'll find so. Well, terrific, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy uh, Lake Tahoe and uh, and have fun when you're here in town uh, next weekend. And um, we'll promote your other dates coming up as well. Um, anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, that's it. Check out my podcast, TomRoadsRadio.com. We will that's link awesome. that from our site. Great. Well, good, good talking to you again, man. All right, brother. Great talking to you. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Bye-bye. Shalom, amigos. Shalom, amigos.
Thanks again to Tom Rhodes for being on the show. You can catch Mr. Rhodes, let me see here, August 27th through 30th at the Laugh Factory in Scottsdale, Arizona. Then he's in Sacramento, September 5th at Harlow's. And then he's in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, if you're listening to us from Malaysia. We have a couple people listening uh, in Asia. September, September 19th through 21st, then back to the USA, Omaha, Nebraska, October 8th through 11th. Well, that's quite a switch, man, Kuala Lumpur to Omaha, Nebraska. But um, Tom will pull it off, man. He's very funny. Go check him out. Uh, so now we're going to, uh, as usual, I think we're just going to skip the uh, credits because you can go back to a previous episode if you're that you know, concerned with who did the uh, the logo. It was Dan Coble who composed the music and all that fun stuff. Uh, we're going to get to the hottest record in the world right now. And uh, I'm going to come up with a different title for that coming next week because it's kind of become a thing of its own. It started off as kind of a joke um, in a way uh, and, and a way to honor the BBC, of course. But um uh, it's it, now. I think it's not going to be its own thing. So we will uh, come up with a new name by next week. But meantime, the hottest record in the world comes to us from. Well, I'll tell you what happened. I'm trying to set up an interview with a very close personal friend of the show at a uh, festival we're covering in Columbus. I'm not going to tell you who it is just yet. But uh, this person no longer handles our friend. But uh, we got in contact with the proper authorities. And uh, this other person, as publicists will do, say, hey, listen to this band I'm working with. And usually I'm kind of like, oh, well, okay. And uh, thankfully, they're really cool. Uh, They are a group from New York City. They are a power pop trio. They are called The Turnback. And apparently they have had an album out already. It was a soundtrack to the lead singer's uh, short film that he made a couple of years ago. But this is, their, I guess, their first proper album. And it's going to come out in October. Now, I'm not sure if I'm actually allowed to play this. I emailed my publicist friend and said, hey, can I play a clip of one of these on the show? And he hasn't answered yet. So I'm going to go ahead and play this and if i hear differently um we will uh call an audible and choose a different hottest record in the world but uh, i had a hard time choosing songs here these guys uh, are very um fountains of wayne is a thing that pops up i think but still it's a little different and they remind me a lot of a group called velvet crush that you folks may have heard of they were actually they predate all the 90s power punk they were more like late 80s power punk and uh, they were from like connecticut or something and that's the first thing i thought of was those guys only a little punchier and uh, I believe this is going to be the single. It's going to come out probably ahead of the album uh, in October, so probably look for that in mid-September. The song is called Five Days a Week. This is the turn back with the hottest record in the world on PS Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. Five days a week I make all the ends meet Five days a week I do everything that's expected of me. Five 